0: Oregon football's on a bye week and recruiting does not stop so we check in on the Ducks recruiting efforts for the 2023 cycle and what does it take to keep guys out of the transfer portal when it comes to playing time we'll talk to a guy who knows a thing or two about both here we go you are locked on Ducks your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks part of the locked on podcast network your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks, which is why if you haven't already and thank you to everybody who has like comment you every listen to or watching this show today's episode brought to you by bet online bet online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts and if they have a prop for how much we will learn on a given show with john garcia jr the director of recruiting for sports illustrated john i'm taking the over every single time i'm gonna come back to it and take the over and of course Recruiting is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs here at the Locked On Podcast Network. John, great to have you back on the show.
1: Always good to be on with you, uh, talking ducks. Good timing, right? With the with the bye week. Uh, a lot of coaches will kind of recenter, recenter, re, re uh dissect that board and and see where things stands here in the home stretch. So very good time.
0: Yeah. The coaching staff still focused on on the game uh just over a week from now against UCLA that fingers crossed. We'll bring College Game Day back to Eugene for the first time in several years, shall we say. I actually can't remember last time I was there. It'd be a good thing to look up here after we're done re- recording the show. But first thing I want to talk to you about, John, is the transfer portal, because there have been a number of players that get involved for this Oregon offense this year. It's been really the strength of Kenny Dillingham is we see all t- all the tight ends get in on it. and A bunch of receivers are used, and a bunch of running back series, but it's still not everybody right Byron Cardwell even when healthy has been kind of the fourth running back of the group that's a guy who's got a good amount of talent Dante Thornton I thought he would take a leap this year like Troy Franklin has but he hasn't those are kind of a couple of the leading candidates that I look at and go yeah if they transfer after this season I I won't be shocked I think seven McGee and or Sean Dollars could fall into that category too so specifically with skill players, guys who want the football, and that's you know part of their, their MO as, as players at, at the collegiate level, what do you need to keep a guy on the roster when he's maybe not as involved as he could be?
1: Well, yeah, this is new, right? This is something that has not always been, uh, I don't want to say an issue, but not always been uh, on the top of, of mind uh, for college football coaches, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on at this time um i think the the best way to kind of summarize it is hey you've got to check in with your own guys first right you know we talk about it in recruiting all the time when kids are verbally committed to school x and other schools are still calling school x still has to recruit that prospect all the way through national signing day and now with the advent of the transfer portal and really the acceleration and adoption of the transfer portal, you've got to sort of treat your roster that way as well. So I think it starts with kind of the, the idealistic goal of, Hey, we're your coaches. We're going to be hard on you, but we also need you to be transparent with us, right? If if you start to flirt with that idea, if you start to think about some other options, come sit down with us and, and we'll talk about it. You know, I think idealistically, again, those would be the most ideal scenario. So your seven McGee's, your Dante Thornton's, whoever it is, especially young guys, right? I mean, these are the type of prospects you would expect to uh, reciprocate that. Now, what makes it hard for Oregon is these kids, in in these cases in particular, weren't recruited and brought to Oregon by this coaching staff. So I think that's already sort of a detractor uh, towards staying put. Uh, Obviously, anytime there's a coaching change, there's that immediate rush of portal talent. Then there's that secondary rush of talent that after giving, you know, giving things, you know, the the good old fashioned try. And then the third level is always kind of where we're at now with the Oregon Ducks right now. Spring has come and gone. The season has kicked off and you're, you're right in the thick of it. It's a bye week You really sort of know where you stand relative to playing time uh, and progression uh, or whatever's most important to you as a prospect. So this is typically the third wave uh excluding fall camp of course uh, and, and those position battles this is typically the third wave of at least portal consideration i would say we're seeing it across the country guys are we've seen at notre dame auburn a couple other schools guys are informing these coaching staffs hey i want to maintain my red shirt so i'm going to play in four or less games so that i could uh hold this year of eligibility and then i'm going to hit the portal when the year concludes uh, so that's something that is becoming more popular and naturally those that are beginning to look around will look at that as, as a potential option. Uh, so again, idealistically, you just want transparency. Hey, are you considering this? Uh, and I think the bye week is a great time to check in. And And it starts with with your peers, right? So in Thornton's case, your fellow wide receivers, then it goes to your wide receivers coach, Junior Adams. Okay, hey, let's check in with everybody. Let's sit down and meet for you know, 10, 15 minutes just to see how you're doing, how you're feeling, how school going, all the typical stuff that... That we don't talk about ever uh, when it comes to college football and roster management and then if there is some question marks or worry then it goes up the chain up to the oc kenny dillingham eventually to the head coach dan lanning and then you kind of go from there so in theory you try to nip it in the bud via your culture and transparency and i think with a younger coaching staff you're a little bit more likely to see something like that fully play out Uh, but at the end of the day it's also understandable if if that process is skipped altogether right that is The thick of the player empowerment era where there doesn't have to be this sort of system of checks and balances and Thornton can go right to compliance and say hey throw me in the portal and 48 hours later he'll he'll be there so it, it really is an interesting double edged sword in that regard but but it comes down to the player and being realistic but I think from the other side of it look at a guy like Thornton in particular You know, kid from Baltimore played a lot last year as a true freshman. All the way across the country, um, and, and like you said, didn't take the jump that we've we've seen. Certainly with with Troy Franklin and some others, you start to wonder if if they become possibilities. It's it's another sort of casualty of recruiting so well, right? Because eventually, some of these great players aren't going to end up sticking around uh, at your program. So fascinating, you know, conversation to dig into, and something that obviously is not going to go away.
0: And I think the the thing that makes me think about Thornton as a potential candidate is he can't play anywhere really like the body that he is. I'm sure you, you scouted this when he came out of high school, he's a boundary receiver, right? He's lining up on the outset. You're not going to put him in the slot. You're not going to bring him in motion on fly sweeps, like what he can do, which he can be very good at. I, I still believe in his potential, but the coaching staff has, as you said, no ingrained loyalty because they didn't recruit him, so they're putting the best guys who they feel are are out there on the field week in and week out, and he hasn't been able to capture as much playing time, I'm sure, as he's hoped. I mean, we, we've seen glimpses of it, right? He played pretty well against Georgia. He had a big catch uh, against Washington State. He's done a lot of really good things, and he's he's certainly not the only guy, right? I mean, with with Sean Dollar's in there and Seven McGee, and you, you know, you can go up and down the the roster, frankly, and find guys. But to your point. It is kind of the drawback of of recruiting well right is you're not going to be able to give every high level recruit as many touches as he was hoping he might get when he committed to play at at your
1: school it's just a reality of having that much talent 100 it's something that we see all the best schools go through right you you want to add through the portal but oftentimes there's a lot more subtraction because of of that same issue if you've got 50 blue chips on your roster, they're they're going to be stacked at certain positions and they're going to eventually take a look around, whether it's a position change, a school change, whatever it may be. Uh, You you look at Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, uh, Clemson, same kind of deal, right? It's happening uh, across college football. I remember one year Alabama signed, and this is absurd, they signed uh, Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara in the same recruiting class, in addition to two other (laughs) Really good running backs. They were all oh, that's insane. Chains. That's insane. You know, so after year one, Derrick Henry's starting to get into the rotation, which is an absurdity in and of itself. And Kamara's not right, so Kamara's out of there. Right, goes goes to JUCO and ends up at, at Tennessee before you know really blowing up uh, and 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 exploding at the NFL level. But that's again, it's it's just a part of recruiting well, and it happens at the very top of college football. It's just something you got to deal with. I mean Quinn Ewers was the number 4 quarterback at Ohio State last year and now yeah. he's the darling of of the Big 12 and and it looks poised to to be, you know, the 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 newcomer of the year maybe nationally in college football. So it really is uh something that all the great teams have to deal with and navigating that is is extremely tough, right? Because to one point you want to when you get to the finish line of signing day, you want to be done recruiting that prospect. You want to say, "Hey, you're a semi-professional, pretty much at this point. Handle your business or don't. Um, and and if there's going to be a move made, just communicate it, right? We we want what's best for you, whether it's here or somewhere else. Um, but it's it's not that simple, right? These guys are teenagers. They're across the country. They're you know they're all the best players at their high school. It's it's very understandable on both sides of of this type. Of equation and let's also not discount how tough it is on the player to absorb a new system new terminology um you know maybe it was simpler uh, under the previous regime right maybe it was more friendly to that six five two hundred pound wide receiver as opposed to guys who are a little bit more conventional and, and can move around a little bit more so you know it could be as simple as terminology or blocking things we don't talk about again at the wide receiver position it could be something that simple that is maybe slowing down the amount of reps or rotations that that you do get during a given game so it really does work both ways and and the the truth the truth is often somewhere in between one side versus the other just like it is in most cases.
0: It's a good situation overall for Oregon to be in, even though there's a drawback there when you have too much talent to keep everybody around. That certainly is a good problem to have. If you want to have yourself in a potentially problematic but also potentially beneficial situation from a betting standpoint, you got to check out Bet Online, Your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MMA, boxing, my personal favorite, golf. I'm reluctant to even mention the word Major League Baseball at this point. I guess it's three words, whatever it is, too painful at the moment. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Well, there's still four games left. You never know. Come on, Mariners. Bet online is where the game starts. Yeah, Mariners took it on the teeth the other day. I tell you what, it was a rough, rough day for me, John. I had to go back and watch the Arizona-Oregon highlights again just to give myself something good to feel about in a a sports sense. It was pretty pretty darn tough. Let's go to the high school recruiting ranks and move away from the transfer portal for a moment, but you know it's going to come back up on the show in uh, the future. But Dante Dowdell, who is Oregon's top running back commit I think only if I'm not mistaken in the class of 2023 he's from the state of Mississippi and I saw him post on social media which is generally pretty normal and such when a school offers you it's expected that you go out make a post and and act excited even if you're planning to go elsewhere but the offer came from our old friend Mike Leach down there at Mississippi State whose Bulldogs are off to a good start this year I was surprised that an in-state kid hadn't got an offer from them at that point in time. Is there any concern at all about Dowdell eventually flipping away from Oregon and looking at a school like Mississippi State?
1: Look, you get to this time of year, Spencer, and there's always a little bit of concern, especially again, like we talked about with Dante Thornton, kid across the country, right? If if it's a Pacific Northwesterner, a Californian, something like that, you you feel a little bit more at, at ease, just all things even. But when it's something like this, you certainly you know keep an eye on it just a little bit closer. Uh, but I will say, um, you know, Carlos Lockton's done a really good job re- recruiting running backs this cycle. Obviously, his ties to the South have resonated with the kids. Ditto for Kenny Dillingham and, and others. Um, and I was just like you. I thought Mississippi State offered this kid two years ago, right? Because Ole Miss had offered, you know, I think right when Kiffin got there. And the battle was between Oregon and Ole Miss. That was sort of the surprise down South was that, Oregon pulled him out of Mississippi, which is not easy to do, particularly with what Ole Miss has been able to do at the running back position over the last couple of years. Really, again, under Kiffin, and we're seeing that again this year. So that was the surprise, and the thought was always, okay, as time goes on and as the season you know gets here, does Ole Miss circle back and, and try to get him back on, on the verbal commitment list because they they are running back lists as far as I'm concerned, as, as far as I know. Uh, in the class of 23. Uh, so Mississippi State was never a part of it one because Ole Miss was considered the favorite before Oregon got involved And in. two, because this is a big six 225 pound downhill back not exactly a Mike Leach staple so I, I do think that is so, somewhat unique in offering at this time because now you're saying if you're if you're I was going to say Wazoo, if you're Mississippi State, now you're saying we don't usually do this but for you we will try this. Uh, And I think that is something quite interesting for, like we talked about earlier, a kid who wants the football, right? You know, I think something like that could pique his interest. Uh, I would expect him just because of the proximity to get to campus. I know when he committed to Oregon, he talked about maybe keeping some visit slates open. I think he only took one or two officials. So there is room for him over these next couple months to take some other visits. So whether it's Mississippi State or Ole Miss or someone else, I would expect that to happen just because this is a kid who grew up in SEC country, who plays running back, who's having a great season, and, and people are going to circle the wagons on that regard. Uh, so I do think he'll take visits and he'll be one to worry about to a degree uh, for, for Oregon fans, but he's still committed. He hasn't decommitted at this point. I think if he was further along, he would have opened it up and said, hey, look, I want to stay closer to home. You know, None of that conversation is coming from Dowdle's camp. So I think – on that front uh, optically things look really good um, those around him have been up to eugene a bunch of times uh, as well so this isn't something where the kid committed because he likes the uniforms and that's kind of it this is something that has been vetted uh, so i do kind of view these other options particularly mississippi state and, and again old miss as due diligence just hey let me let me circle back one more time with the in-state schools just to make sure i want to head to to eugene here so you're gonna have to withstand that but but that's again we talked about it with the portal that's the nature of recruiting at a very high level you you've got to flip kids and you've got to hold off others from flipping your own and doubt will be one of the guys that uh, you know we we magnify as as we get closer to signing day here in about two months
0: speaking of flipping there are more than a few schools who would love to flip jury on dickey and have poked and prodded on that particular front but all has been kind of quiet on the Western front when it comes to Jerry on Dickey, and it appears as if he's staying West with the Ducks, at least at this point in time. Is hearing no news on that front? Is that because he's trying to keep these offers and conversations on the down low, or is it that he he still
1: appears to be 100% locked into Oregon? Look, there's certainly no shortage of programs that are inquiring uh, consistently about Uh, Jerry on Dickey, Uh, but until it's reciprocated with tangible visits that he actually confirms as visits and not fishing trips, I do think it quells the worry to a degree. On top of that, he's been back up to Eugene, right? This is not a prospect that's just shutting it down and and going quiet off of everyone. He has uh, been up to Eugene, and I'm assuming you know if that UCLA game's as big as we think it's going to be, he'll be back up there for that one and, and maybe more before all is said and done. I think the real worry point with Dickey was in between Jaden Rashada committing to Miami and Dante Moore committing to Oregon. That was kind of the window where it was like, man, that's his guy. He's been down there. Uh, he's played with them. Uh, that was kind of the, the biggest worry spot. Um, and, and I think Miami's season has probably helped to slow down uh, some of that worry, particularly offensively where they're just not the the, the type of program we thought they were going to be uh, fr- from a consistency standpoint. I'm sure Dickey is aware of that uh, in his own or, or Oregon is reminding him if, if it's not the case. So I do think the the quiet, no news portion of this is good for Oregon. Uh, that's my long roundabout way of saying that again, he's been back to campus uh, he has always maintained publicly that he is a duck, and he will be a duck. This was his dream school, regardless of coaching staff. Obviously, geographically compared to some of these schools in the ACC and SEC that want him, um, you know, Oregon, you know, makes a lot more sense relative to staying close to home. So, I do still think. This is very much um, Oregon's race to lose. I expect him to sign with Oregon at this point, barring some huge changes, right? Uh, things we haven't seen like official visits, confirmed visit plans, um, or, or another program really starting to press here because um, because the clock's ticking, right? we're We're just over two months from early signing day. So if there's not a lot of smoke at this point, that's typically a good sign.
0: Well, that's certainly encouraging to hear because one thing I was thinking about when pondering the the Dante Thornton and whether or not he would transfer after this year and is there going to be enough playing time and Franklin's taking this big leap forward is Chase Cota is going to leave after this year and he's been a big part of Oregon's offense and he's been a productive part of it he's been everything I I hoped he would be when he came over from UCLA guy who had Willie Taggart not left and gone to Florida State probably would have committed to Oregon from from the jump because that's where his dad played so I've really enjoyed that, but he's playing his last year of college football for sure. This is year five for him. He's done after the season, no more eligibility. And I look at Jerry on Dickey and I almost see like an even more athletic, better version of Chase Cota, who's been good, but a guy who you can line up outside, but put him in the slot and, and dare another defensive back to try and keep up with him and his his agility and physicality and, and the just outright speed that, that he's got he, he brings so many traits there and though I, I really do like Coden and, and what he's done I feel like that's kind of where where Dickey will fit into to the offense so hopefully Oregon able able to keep him there
1: yeah you manufacture yeah, touches for guys like that for sure. yeah
0: yeah that's he's, he's just that kind of athlete right yeah. he, he's he's just that kind of athlete where you watch him and I watched him down at the OT seven on seven in Vegas and a guy who's that thick shouldn't be able to move his feet the way that he does. And that that's why he's become a five-star, highly coveted wide receiver prospect. And Oregon, I, I think, is is in a good position there, I, at least I hope. And I, I hope that that continues to be the case because I think he's uh, got the potential to be a really, really good player. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball real quick. I, I saw something, and I just want your thoughts on uh, you know, where Mateo Uyangale is at in, in his recruiting process and such. We followed him for a while here on the show. But but before you answer that question, John, he was wearing Oregon gloves at a high school game the other day. Is there anything to that sort of
1: stuff? Like, does that matter at all?
0: No, of course
1: not. Um, I mean, look, it's great for Twitter. Uh, and and it, it'll move there more than, than anywhere else. But look, these okay. kids, especially a kid like that, my gosh, yeah, think of the... Places he's been, um, you know, his his family is is taking advantage of NIL. Um, whether it's at the collegiate level with his big brother, or, or even at the high school level where it's legal in California, look, these kids um, they love gear. I mean that that is has never changed in recruiting. They love gear, uh, so acquiring it, however they acquire it, and and showing it off is just a part of the process. You you can't go to a big time high school football game and not see three or four different pairs of gloves uh, on on kids. I, I've seen a bunch committed to one school wearing gloves of the other school and, and it's just hey, you know, either matches my high school uniform or hey, the, these are really sticky and they're brand new. So I, I want to <laughs> use them to, to okay. play better. Um, it, it is usually as simple as that. Um, um, but yeah, it's it's always noteworthy, right? You know, you're never wearing gloves of a school you don't like, right? So I guess there's there's at least a surface level layer of, Oh, okay. That's interesting. But that's really where it should stop uh, because it really doesn't correlate much uh, thereafter. These kids have, you know, they've got 10, 12, 15 pairs, um, including, you know, multiple of the same school uh, as well. So the towels, the gloves, the mouthpieces, uh, the cleats we've even seen now, we're starting to see the cleats get out. Don't know how that happens, but it happens. Um, You know, all that stuff is a little a little too much to read into but usually it's just hey this is great nike brand new type gear uh and i like it and it feels good and and it's going to help me play so that's usually the primary function there some, johnny, some trolling as well these kids are smart too sometimes sometimes it's trolling <laughs> but i don't i don't believe just that trying in to, just case. trying to no. get a little little bit of the hype machine rolling and yeah, you know, get yeah, attention be
0: like hey look what i'm wearing and such and such but uh, johnny you telling me that you're unsure of how Oregon with a particular shoe-based company of which you are supporting with your shirt there is and, uh, yeah. is is getting shoes out out to players i for one would not be surprised if if that were the case i'm just just throwing it out there but i think you make a lot of great points and such and they probably have more gear than they could than they could even wear because that's right. just the nature of recruiting right you you, you throw the kitchen sink at them if, if that's what is what is required on, on the recruiting front. But where is Oregon at with Mateo in and, and the recruiting front? And is he still a guy who, who's going to have a longer timeline?
1: Yeah, I think Oregon's still in really great shape. But, yeah, I do think this thing's still going to extend. And, and that's the best news for Oregon in this case, right? Uh, you know, obviously extremely familiar family-wise with Clemson. He's been to Ohio State since he was like a freshman. That that presentation is still the same, right? It's it's great pass rusher legacy. It's Larry Johnson. That, that has been the same for years in that regard. Oregon and, and USC to a degree, those are the ones benefiting from the timeline extending because this is a new coaching staff in both cases, and they're trying to be more specific about that pitch and how it, it could resonate with the Uyangalele family. So I do think it, it's more advantageous for those two Pac-12 programs in the race as opposed to all the others because those, those offers that feel... Uh, has, has been the same for multiple years as to where it's still less than a year in uh, for both uh, Dan Lanning and, and Lincoln Riley, respectively. But yeah, the, the Ducks are in great shape. He's visited a couple times already recently. Uh, we talked about it last time he played a game at Autzen, uh, which is really cool and, and kind of convenient timing uh, for both sides here. So yeah, Oregon's going to stay right in the thick of this thing, um, I I think, all the way through. I I still view it as more of a three-team race with the Ducks, uh, the Trojans, and the Buckeyes there um, in the crosshairs, but I I don't see any near end in sight. Typically, when you get this close to December, this close to National Signing Day, you're starting to wind it down privately, but publicly, you're not going to just come out, you know, on you know, Thanksgiving or some random day and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to commit here, um, especially ahead of the in-home visit season, right? The, all these head coaches are going to be in Bellflower to, to see him and sit down with him and make their final pitches. He could still take visits for, for some of the big games that are going to happen here across the sport as well. So typically that's going to keep the door open all the way through with an elite prospect like Mateo. So I expect the Oregon hat to be on the table, but I also expect this to be more of a December decision.
0: Well, that will certainly be a big one because Oregon, in my view, is still waiting for that big defensive line commit. There have been a lot of, you know, good-looking four-star edge and defensive tackle prospects, but I'm I'm looking at either, you know, since David Hicks went to Texas and Mateo or, or Samuel and Pemba. I've been harping on it for months here on the show. Like, I think Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoi really, really want to get one of them, and that that's what I would like to see as well, especially given that. After the season, Doralus is probably going to the NFL. and DJ Johnson is out of eligibility, and those have been Oregon's two best pass rushers consistently. You talked about Ohio State's legacy of churning out great pass rushers, Chase Young and the, the Bosa brothers and all that sort of stuff. I think when Mateo gets on campus, you just plaster the wall with Kayvon Thibodeau content. Just everywhere, you just, <laughs> just put his face up, just be like, just a reminder of what you can do if you're an elite pass rusher here at the University of Oregon. I saw something yeah. the other day about Thibodeau uh, being the best among rookies so far in generating quarterback pressures, which is weird because I heard all this incredibly insightful commentary from people who had definitely watched him play a lot of football about how he wasn't really committed to football and how he, you know, it's just all about the outside interest stuff. And, you know, I question yeah. his effort on the field, yada, yada. And I'm like, man, you've got, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> taking a victory lap there over anybody and anybody who questioned that because Thibodeau, Looks like a stud, and he didn't even play the first couple games. He's really he's in that too, exactly. Yeah. He, and he's banged up. He might not even be hundred percent yet. Turns out the guy's a stud. Giants got a good pick, and what do you know? The Giants are four and one. Uh, last guy I want to ask you about, John. Oregon had a commitment recently on on the offensive line. Not a huge heralded prospect like the guy I want to ask you about. That's Samson Lola who I I've, I kind of thought I don't know why. I was under the impression he, he'd already committed or he was kind of off the board, but then I was looking at recruiting circles and I see on 24-7 Oregon's interest to him is warm, not cool, they're in the mix. Is, is there a chance here? I mean, this is a big five-star offensive tackle who is who, who would be as highly coveted, frankly, as Josh Connerly in terms yeah. of a young offensive line prospect. Is, is there any chance for Oregon here or is a boy just sitting here dreaming?
1: No, there, there's still there's still a chance. Um, he has been really quiet, as as you mentioned. Uh, at the end of the summer, there was a lot of buzz for Miami. It, it felt like it was a matter of when and not if he would pick the Hurricanes. But I think you you couple their their in season struggles with him just kind of taking his time and not making a bunch of visits. I think he went to Boston College for a trip just because they were you know nearby. He, he's a Massachusetts kid. But that was kind of it. Um, And he plays a lot of Saturday games. So, pretty hard to take visits to colleges when your high school is playing on Saturday. So, high school on Saturday. well, yeah, welcome to the Northeast, right? Uh, you get a lot of that in, in Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York. High school football is on Friday, John. That is a crime. I, that is a you, crime.
0: You are supposed to be able. <laughs> you are supposed to enjoy the wonderful progression: Thursday night football, Friday Night Lights, Saturday college football, Sunday NFL, Monday night football. That's what it's supposed to be. Shame on the people in the north in the
1: Northeast. <laughs> yeah, so he's been real quiet on the visit front because of that. Really, a, a total logistical issue. He's He's only taken three official visits. So he has the window to take up to two more. And that has created, a, yeah, a lot of questions around him. Hey, c- could you possibly take some visits here before all is said and done? Previously, he said, if I took other officials, it would be in September. So by October, I'm going to know what I'm doing. Well, September came and went with zero recorded visits. So now in October, he is saying that he could still potentially take the trips. But the problem is none of them are confirmed none of them are planned or and or locked in at this point so it's probably pushing those trips if he takes them closer to the holiday season where high school football is done and uh even college football starts to wind down uh right right at thanksgiving rivalry weekend all that stuff so it could push the visits if he takes them to that point point. and a lot of programs are in the mix in that regard right it's uh he, he visited miami alabama and michigan state officially so naturally those who didn't get an official are, are really pressing to get one, right? So Oregon is in that group. Ohio State is in that group. A couple other schools are trying to get him on campus uh, to see if, if they can now contend late in the game for Oak and Lola. So that's really kind of the way to gauge this thing. If, if you're not one of the three he's already visited, again, that's Bama, Michigan State, and Miami. Um, do you get him on campus or do you not? I mean, that's really the gauge of the late push, the late chance – that a given program has. Um, again, he's been high on Oregon in the past. Uh, obviously the tradition there, uh, the, the recruiting recently there is something that attracts him it's ditto for Ohio state. Uh, so I do think on the surface level, those two could be the official visit destinations, but you know, Clemson has tried to get involved here. A bunch of other schools have tried to, to get into the, the conversation. I believe Florida, Georgia among them. So depending on how that shakes out closer to the end of of next month I think we could start to to finalize what okan Lola may want to do or he just says screw it and he commits out of nowhere I think he's more likely to do that than Uyangalele, but I do think there's still there's still clearly some due diligence okan Lola wants to to manufacture before a final decision because otherwise to me he'd been committed to Miami in in June or July
0: Well, we'll be holding out hope on that front and holding out hope that we get John Garcia Jr. back on the show soon. Director of Recruiting for Sports Illustrated. John, great insight as always. Appreciate the time.
1: Always a pleasure, Spencer. Take care.
0: I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.